Hello, welcome to Northwestern. It is a beautiful day on campus today, isn't it? Awesome. Well, my name is Jody, and um, I work with church and parent relations, and today is one special day on campus. We have grandparents here. Give it up for our grandparents. Awesome. So students, if you see grandparents coming in and they don't have a seat, if you guys could scooch to the middle, let them sit on the outside, that would be super helpful if there is not enough room for them to sit today. So this is a super fun fact. I think we have over 30 grandparents that came from another state to Northwestern today to be with you guys. So that is super fun. Okay. If you are a grandparent in the house today, raise your hand. Let's see how many. Look at that. Woo. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for being here today, grandparents. And you students that might not have a grandparent here today, I suggest adopting one. One of these guys will take you. They would love to have you come join them and talk. Um, if nothing else, my parents are here, and I know they'll adopt you. So. Anyways, grandparents, thank you so much for coming today. We're thrilled to have you on campus. Students, if you're around, make sure to open a door. Welcome a grandparent if you're going to class and you see them because we are excited to have them on campus today. So thanks for being here. Justin, come on up. Thank you so much, Jody. Um, good morning, everyone. I want to welcome you. My name is uh, Justin Jepson, and I'm the Director of Spiritual Formation Programs. Get to help oversee chapel. Uh, what a special day uh, for you as students to have grandparents with you. Uh, as an alum myself, I remember over 12 years ago walking across the stage and hearing my own grandfather yell out, Way to go, buddy! And uh, wonderful memory. So this is so sweet. Love it. And uh, the Lord's really lined up a great day for us today in chapel as we continue reflecting after Easter weekend, talking about how we experience the resurrection power of Jesus. And today we have in chapel uh, Heather Fleece, who is uh, the junior high pastor at Wooddale. She's been there for the past 23 years. And um, I've, I've got to serve alongside of her in a number of different ways uh, in my years serving as a youth pastor in the Twin Cities as well. Um, I've never seen her wear an article clothing covering all of her legs uh, except for a, a wedding or a funeral. So uh, since it's nice today, she's uh, dressed up and wearing a skirt instead of shorts. Um, uh, but she is uh, full of energy, full of passion, and in zeal for the Lord that's contagious and really excited. Please give a warm Northwestern welcome to Heather Fleece. And uh, would you extend a hand out as we pray for her, and a hand up as we pray for ourselves as well. Father in heaven, we are so grateful for today. Thank you for the opportunity to gather together to encounter you. Jesus, I thank you uh, for the gift of family. I thank you for the gift of grandparents. I thank you for the gift of being able to hear um, from your servant, our sister, your daughter, Heather. We pray that you would fill her afresh with your spirit. I pray that you would anoint the words that she shares uh, from her own life and the testimony of experiencing your resurrection power and from your word. And I pray that your Holy Spirit um, would captivate our hearts and our minds and our attention. And may your Holy Spirit apply your word for further growth and change and transformation in Christ's likeness in each of our lives. We love you so much. Thank you for loving us first. And we joyfully surrender to you together as your people. We pray this all in Jesus' name. And everyone said... Amen. Amen. Excellent. Thanks, Justin. Hey, I don't know what you're expecting this morning. 
But I can promise you we're going to have a good time. I believe it is a sin to bore people. I don't have scriptural proof of that, but I believe it is a sin. So students, I know, I know that some of you have to be here today and you're squeezing in the chapel credits, but I promise you that if you're willing to engage with me, I will do the work and we will make sure that we have a good time together. Uh, what Justin said is true. I'm a junior high pastor and I have been for 23 years in the same position at the same church at Wooddale Church in uh, a southwest suburb here in Minneapolis. Not because it was the only job left, but because I genuinely love junior hires, which is so weird. Most people they scare most people. Like most people run away from them. They don't like their smell. They don't like their awkwardness. I love all of it. And I have my degree in communication from Bethel right up the road. I've got my master's from the seminary there. But all I want to do for the rest of my life is be a junior high pastor. So like I want to be riding the roller coaster at Valley Fair when I'm 80. Like holding in my dentures, wearing Depends and be like, whoa, here we go. No offense to anyone. That is what I want to do. <laughs> I'm excited to be with you today. I am an extreme extrovert off the charts on the Myers-Briggs, and so I love to know and be known. So let me tell you a little bit about myself and let me show you picture proof. So let's start with my hair, because <laughs> some of you are already looking going, what is the deal? Well, what you're seeing right now in front of you is my kindergarten photo, and I need you to focus in on my bangs. That is the natural condition of my hair. My hair is stick straight naturally, okay? I get a perm every four months to make my hair look like this, and I'm totally okay with that. Adults in the room, here's something very concerning. Many of these kids don't even know what a perm is. So grandmas, would you please raise your hand if you're still getting perms and hang out with me and show me at least a couple. Thank you. <laughs> I just think that curly fits my personality. That's all. Literally till the day I die, I will have a perm. If when I die, I am at the end of my perm cycle, it'll be a requirement. It is in my instructions, no lie, in our lockbox at Wells Fargo that I will get a perm to be in my casket if I'm not looking curly. <laughs> okay, That's how serious I am about it. Now, let me introduce you to my family, and you're going to love this. This is our Olin Mills church directory photo. Okay, students, this was long before parents tried to like coordinate the outfits. Like we're going to wear khaki, khaki and denim. This was a freestyle in the Heinz family. And we all took advantage of it. I mean, what in the world? And I'm the first one to admit we had fashion issues, but I totally blame it on my dad. Like what is going on? His tie ends right where you see it. <laughs> Now, I probably, no surprise, I'm the baby of the family. I'm the youngest child, so I am right where I should be, front and center, in my fake Princess Leia braids. And uh, I love being from a big family. We've now expanded. There are uh, 28 of us just in my immediate family, so we have to rent hotel party rooms to have Christmas because nobody's houses hold us anymore. And here's something cool. Out of the six kids in my family, 
three of us are pastors in full-time ministry, which is awesome, but even more awesome when you know that my dad was a long-distance truck driver. So my dad drove cross-country for 37 years. He would leave on Sunday after the Vikings game, very important, and my dad would come back on Sunday, or sorry, Saturday morning. So my dad was gone six days a week for 37 years with kids aging from zero to 14 before there were cell phones, before there was any kind of connection. So I'm just so thankful for my family. I'm thankful for the Christian legacy that I have, and, and I'm thankful that we've recovered a bit from the fashion issues. Okay, uh, what else do you need to know about me? Um, and the Myers-Briggs, I'm an ESFJ, strong on the E, strong on the J. Um, in the Enneagram, I'm an eight with a seven wing for anybody who cares. Um, let's see, I, my strengths finders, my top five, communication, woo, positivity, developer, and activator. I like to get things done. And on the Winnie the Pooh inventory, yes, there is one, I'm a Tigger. Woo! <laughs> Um, I, as Justin referenced, I uh, wear shorts all the time. I own 98 pairs of shorts, and I own one pair of jeans. I've worn jeans once in the last 22 years. I went horseback riding in December with two of my junior high girls, and they were like, Heather, for your safety, you have to wear jeans. But other than that, I wear shorts anytime I can choose. I am hot all the time. To prove it, our house in the winter is set at 58 degrees so the heat only comes on when it gets to 57 and not just at night people are like oh yeah we set ours at 68 at night no 58 all the time most of you are, you're like 70 or 72 degrees I'm just hot all the time what else you need to know I love my muscles I love to look at them in the mirror I love to flex them I love to make other people feel them I like to work on them um, and I have, I have two favorites. Will you come up here, please? Just come here. Real quick. Tell me your name. I'm Wes. Hi, Wes. Oh, Wes! Ah! Wes! Oh! It's been a while. Wes! Oh, he's one of my junior high boys! So, Wes, this is nothing new to you. Um, my two favorite muscles, one is my forearm, just give that a squeeze. Nice. And the other one can be slightly awkward because I'm wearing a skirt, but it's my anterior tibialis. Just give that a hit, Wes. Oh, and look, I have one on the other leg, too. Oh, cool. Yeah. <laughs> I love you. Love Good to you. see you. <laughs> Sometimes I think, when I introduce myself, that people are thinking in their minds, surely this woman's single. <laughs> like, she probably lives in an apartment with like 17 cats because who could handle this? I'm excited to tell you there is someone who can handle it. This is my husband, Chad. Uh, we've been married, it'll be 18 years uh, next month, and I adore him. And here's what's crazy, just a little shout out to anyone in the room who has a desire to be married, but maybe you haven't had a lot of good luck in that category. Um, I wanted to be married since I was four. I am incredibly relational in my nature, so the idea of having someone there all the time just was so exciting. And 
I had a really good run through fifth grade. I mean, <laughs> starting literally in kindergarten with Peter Shaw, there was a different guy every grade that thought I was like, mm. But something happened around fifth grade and it tapered off quite a bit. And uh, I spent all of high school, all four years at Bethel and all four years after Bethel with no one. And when I say no one, I mean no one looking at me saying, I like you and I wanna spend time with you. I had buddies, I had people who would tell me all the time, oh, you're gonna be a great wife someday, but literally no dates whatsoever. And I remember struggling so hard with that and trying so hard to live my life in a way that God wanted me to and feeling like the one thing I was asking for wasn't happening. And I've got to believe I'm not alone in that. And I just told the Lord, if you will be faithful in this, as you've been faithful to me all my life, I will forever wave your flag of faithfulness. I need you to know that what is on the screen in front of you is God's tangible faithfulness to me. I met Chad when I was 27, he was 28, and we were married a year later, and he is everything that I didn't think I wanted. <laughs> um, I wanted an offensive lineman, preferably who played for the Vikings. I wanted a guy who drove a Dodge Ram V10 with a diesel Cummings engine. Um, who sang karaoke and like would just like take me and slam me up against a truck before he kissed me. So, <laughs> if I'm being honest, uh, here's, <laughs> here's what's so awesome. I knew what I wanted, but God knew what I needed. And God gave me a man who is so steady and so calm and so kind and so logical that he is my anchor. When we got married, I told you I'm a people person. There were 1,400 people at our wedding. <laughs> and um, my oldest brother, who's a pastor conveniently, did the service. And in his sermon, he said, Heather, you are the flag and Chad, you are the flagpole. <laughs> and he's exactly right. Chad lets me fly my colors. He loves the joy I bring to his life. But he's the one who anchors me and loves me and holds me down in a beautiful, good way. And so if any of you, um, no matter your age, are questioning, will God be faithful? I promise you that he will be. If that's a desire of your heart, he doesn't mess with that. He will either change that desire and it will be clear, or he will fulfill that desire. And I don't want you to settle. I want you to hold out for God's best. I'm living proof that it will happen and it will work. And so I adore my husband, Chad, and I did not think I could love him anymore. And then he gave me these two. I don't know if you know what those are. Those are St. Bernard puppies. Those are mini Beethovens, okay? This picture was from a year ago. The one in front of Chad is Jingle Bell. Um, she currently weighs 143 pounds, and uh, she is a delightful, wonderful, sloppy mess. So um, she slobbers, and if you don't catch her before she shakes, it literally goes on the ceiling and like swings back and forth. And some of you who have dogs and you have those cute little bags with like the little bones on them and stuff, we couldn't use those after four months. The poop is so big, 
we had to use two hands. We use Target and Walgreen bags as our poop bag. But she wasn't enough, so a year in, I started begging for a second, and I won, and that's baby Hadley in front of me. In this picture, she's four months old, and she weighed 36 pounds. Guys, this is a year ago. Please look at a month ago. in front of Chad. That's the one-year-old. Go back. Go back. One year ago, there's Hadley in front of me. A month ago, there she is in front of Chad. She weighs 163 pounds. Absolutely fantastic. I love it. I love it. Love my life. Love the Lord. Love snow. Love large dogs. So... Thank you. You can take that down or I'll be distracted. Um, grandparents, I think some of you are thinking right now, these are the kind of speakers they bring in? Wow. <laughs> um, I think about the different choices that we have every day that we can make, and many of them are small choices. So some of you students chose this morning, do I shower or do I not bother, right? Do I have an actual breakfast or double-stuffed vanilla Oreos? <laughs> Is this picture cute enough to put on Instagram or not? Uh, Coke or Pepsi, which by the way, we will have Coke products in heaven. I just wanted you to be aware. Uh, Vikings or Packers, which of course there is no need to even debate that one. Um, and those, those questions and those choices are good and they're right, but most of them don't make much of a difference in the whole scheme of, th of things and of life. And this morning, I want to highlight a choice today that I believe that you can make that will literally change everything in your life. And it goes back to the re resurrection power of Jesus that we just celebrated on Sunday. It affects every part of our lives. One choice. I'm going to have you turn to someone next to you because I think it's so fun to talk to people. And I want you to give five statements that start with the words, I am. So there are five factual statements that are true about you. So for instance, if I were sitting next to you, I would say that I am a junior high pastor. I am a Vikings fan. I am a tennis player. I am strong. And I uh, listen to Christmas music 11 months out of the year. <laughs> because theologically speaking, shouldn't we celebrate the birth of our Lord Jesus Christ every day? Thank you. Okay. I take the month of January off to purge because I think it's probably appropriate. But anyway, five statements that are true about you. Grandparents, you are included. Five factual statements. Rattle them off. I'm going to give you one minute total to do this together. Go. Okay, wrap up those conversations. Bring your attention back up here. Hmm. Wrap up those conversations. So, I hope that those five facts you gave are indeed facts. But here's what I've figured out as I have lived life a little bit longer than some of you, is that what we say with those five facts can often reveal how we are meeting a need in our lives or how we are finding our worth 
or finding our identity. So it's true that the first fact I said is that I'm a junior high pastor. That is true. But when I am honest with myself and I think about meeting new people, entering new conversations, it's curious to me how within three or four minutes I'm going to slip that in there. What I do and what I'm passionate about because I believe deep down that that brings me value, that brings me worth, that brings me identity. I once heard a gentleman say, we all have legitimate needs, but we try to fulfill them in illegitimate ways. We all have legitimate needs, but we try to fulfill them in illegitimate ways. So we all have a need to be valued. We all have a need to be loved, to be noticed, to be seen. But we try to fulfill those needs in illegitimate ways. I've been a pastor now for 27 years, which is just crazy. And I have seen an incredible trend in how young people especially, but I would even say human beings, try to find their worth and their value. I call it finding our identity, right? And it should be pretty easy for those of us who are Christ followers because we know that the one who can fulfill all of our needs and satisfy everything in us is Jesus Christ. But doing that on a daily basis, making that choice on a daily basis, is a lot harder. Because there are so many other ways for us to think we're getting our identity, our worth, and our value. And the trend that I have seen goes to three different wells, I call them. That when we want worth, identity, and value, we go to one of three wells. And I'm going to share them with you, and I'm going to break them down a little bit. And my hope is that there is a running evaluation in your mind, whether you are a college student or a grandparent, and you're asking yourself, when I'm not healthy, when I'm not leaning into my relationship with Jesus, which place do I go to find my worth and value? Which way do I go to get a need met illegitimately? So the first place I see that we go is performance. Have you ever been in a room with like a nine-month-old baby? It's incredible. Like think of like chubby little Henry, okay? Baby Henry, nine months old, sitting in the living room, the family's all around celebrating and hanging out together, and all of a sudden, little Henry grabs the side of the couch, and his chubby little legs kind of come up from underneath him, and then he goes... He's got, got drool coming down his face, stuff's leaking out of his diaper, but he is so happy, and the room just erupts. Oh, what a big boy! And then when little Henry could actually take those chubby legs and start to walk like this all of the, on his own, oh my goodness, the cameras are out and people are being called and Skyped. This is amazing. And then when he can actually stand in front of the toilet and pee and hit the Fruit Loops that are floating as targets in the toilet, you would have thought we solved world hunger. It's incredible. So think about this. Literally from the time you were nine months old, you have been conditioned. If you do something good, people will notice and they will applaud for you and that will make you feel good. 
since you were nine months old that has been fed into you. So it's no wonder. It's no wonder when you get a certain grade that you feel better about yourself. It's no wonder that when you got chosen for a certain class or a certain project or a certain level in a choir or a band that you felt good about yourself. And the reverse is true as well. When you tore your ACL your junior year right before football season and all of a sudden you felt like you had no value anymore. We go to performance to help us feel good about who we are. My junior year of high school, I was a hockey cheerleader. <laughs> Probably no surprise. And I also sang in the choir. I was president of my junior class. I was involved in so many different things, but I especially loved cheerleading and I loved choir. About a month into my junior year, when I would go to choir in second hour and sit in the alto section, about 10 minutes into choir, I would lose my voice. Like, like I had just gotten laryngitis in that moment. And I brought water, I tried to drink, I tried a bunch of different things, and it didn't change. It kept happening over and over again. And I, my voice sounded so raspy and so rough. My choir director at the time asked me to go see an ear, nose, and throat specialist. And so I went and they lovingly sprayed my nose with some kind of a numbing thing and then stuck a camera up my nose, down my throat, into my vocal cord area, and then they said, just go ahead and try to sing. <laughs> and what was being shown on the screen at the same time was my vocal cords. And if you don't know, your vocal cords are, are amazing, and they, they vibrate and rub together like this, and when they do that, that's what you're hearing right now from me. But I had developed vocal nodules, which are calluses on your vocal cords due to abuse of the voice. <laughs> so I had a callus here and I had a callus here. So when my vocal cords tried to go together, they went together like this because of the stoppage of each nodule on it. And that's what was causing me to sound so raspy. And I was told by this doctor, Heather, if you want this to go away, you need to quit cheerleading. You need to not talk to anyone unless they're within arm's distance from you. You should not speak in a room filled with more than 20 people and you can't sing to your car radio. He pretty much just described the worst possible scenario of life for me. I couldn't believe it. Guys, so much of who I was, in my opinion, came down to my voice. My talent, my performance, my personality, it was all in my voice. And I want to ask you the question, in that moment, in that doctor's office, did I lose my value? Did I lose who I was? The answer is no. Because even though performance is important, and yes, we want to be able to give God our best, and we want to take what he's given us and do well, it does not define who we are. And I promise you this, students, and the grandparents in the room can agree, if this is where you go, at some point it will fail you. At some point you will be disappointed. But it is where we go, so many of us, over and over and over again. Is that you? I wonder. The second place I see people go for their identity is 
relationships. I mean, think all the way back to like elementary school and when Valentine's Day would come. <laughs> and like, how many did you get compared to everybody else? And like, birthday parties, were you invited to them or were you not? And like, uh, if your mom said, okay, you can have a birthday party, we'll go to a hotel and we'll stay overnight, but you can only invite five people. Were you like so hoping that there'd be 28 people in your class that were like, why can't I come? Like, just so important. And then you move into high school and you move now into college and things shift a little bit. Relationship with your parents is shifting. Friends that you thought were besties that you're not staying in touch with, now that's shifting. But you, you know, your roommates are cool. But oh my goodness! And then there's this whole dating thing, and you know, for heaven's sake, students, if you can't find a husband or a wife at, right here at Northwestern College in these four years, where are you going to find one? You better hurry up on that. Ring by spring. Come on. Oh my goodness, I remember that pressure when I was at Bethel. And at the time, no lie, there was a one to four ratio. One guy to four girls, okay. So no wonder I had to keep my hair big just to be seen, right? Just to be an option. Think about it. From the time you were little, if people liked you, if they wanted to be around you, if relationships were good and in harmony, if you were sought after, you felt good about who you were. But when someone broke up with you, when someone walked away from you or abandoned you, when someone unfollowed you, when someone gossiped or bullied about you, it just tore you down. More than likely, it's because that's the place you were going to find your worth and your value. Now, this is another tricky one. I said performance was tricky because it's been ingrained in us. This one is hard because it literally was crafted in you by the Lord. We were created to be in relationships. It tells us in Genesis that we were created in the image of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit in relationship with one another. That was infused into us. And so it makes sense that we want to be in relationships and that relationships matter. But when that becomes how you receive your value, you're going to be disappointed and people are going to fail you. Is that you? Do you go to relationships to find your worth and your value? Final place, I see that we go to our appearance in order to find our identity. I talk to so many people of all ages who struggle with looking or appearing a certain way. So whether that's weight or a figure or a certain look, we want something. And for some of us, it's not even just like the physical appearance, it's the appearance of my life. Do I have it all together? Am I somebody who is driven and I'm on a good path? Grandparents, I think about, well, if you haven't picked up on this, grandparents, this is not just a talk for the students in the room. This is a lifelong issue where we find our identity in Jesus Christ and when we don't. And I have found that it's the same thing for people over the age of 50. It just looks a little different. So grandparents, you, you're concerned about the life that your children are leading and how that's looking because you think it's a direct reflection of your parenting, how they're living. And how your grandchildren, are they following the Lord? Are they ones that you can brag on with your friends, right? 
in regards to appearance or in regards to performance? Are you still out there playing pickleball? Are you still playing doubles tennis? Are you still running? Are you still biking? Or can't you do that anymore? And is that hard for you as you process? Students, grandparents, <laughs> these three things are not bad in and of themselves. Performance, relationships, and appearance. They're all legit, and they were meant to bring us joy. I believe that we are supposed to take care of our appearance. 1 Corinthians 6, 19 and 20 tells me that my body is not my own. It was bought at a price. Therefore, honor God with your body. Contextually, it's actually talking about sex, but I think it transfers to this idea that I've got to take care of what God's given me. And so it's not good for me to eat party-sized bags of Cheetos and Twinkies and Ho-Hos and deep-dish chocolate chip cookies at Old Chicago that come fresh out of the oven. Oh. <laughs> not good for me to eat all of those and then not exercise and only drink Diet Coke and not drink water, right? I've got to take care of my body, but it's a slippery slope. Because if I start to do that, and then I start to look in the mirror and like, mm, hey, I like that, and I want more of that. So now I start to obsess about that. And I start to find my value in the fact that people are thinking that I look good and that I look lean and strong and that I'm healthier. So in and of themselves, they're not bad. But when we go to them to find our identity, that's when it becomes a problem. And I love that Paul knew this. And that this was a reality back in his time. Philippians chapter 3. Students, if you've got your Bibles, and boy, I sure hope you would at chapel. Um, I'd love for you to pull them out. Grandparents, if you've got um, a device or you've got something, I want you all to pull out Philippians chapter 3. And we're going to look at verses 7 through 9. Philippians chapter 3, 7 through 9. I love Paul. <laughs> And I love that his primary goal in his letters was to try to teach people how to live in Christian community. Because this was all new for them. The whole idea of the church and coming together from different backgrounds was new. But I love what he says in Philippians chapter 3. Listen in regards to what we're talking about. Paul had quite the resume, but he said, Whatever was to my profit, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more... I consider everything a loss compared to the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. Listen to this. I consider them rubbish. Another translation says garbage, trash. I consider them garbage that I may gain Christ and be found in him not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes from God and is by faith. Paul said, everything else in my life that looks so good, the people who love me and adore me, the way that I was so smart and elevated in the religious community, all of that does not matter not only does it not matter compared to knowing christ and being found in him having my identity in him they're garbage compared to it it's garbage that is the truth and i want you to understand that appearance and performance and relationships are not bad 
but they, are, they were never intended to be what we gain our worth and our value from. That is Jesus Christ. Now, when I leave today, yes, it's true. I would hope that you would think that I was a strong communicator and that I was pretty funny. I would hope that you would follow me on Instagram and both of my dogs if you'd like to because of course they each have an account on Instagram. I would hope in regards to appearance that even before I pointed them out, you did notice my calves and you thought, wow, they're chiseled. Yes. <laughs> if those three things happened, that would make me very happy. But students and grandparents, as I walk off this campus today, that is not where my confidence lies. My confidence lies in the fact that I was created with purpose and on purpose by the God of the universe. That God himself thought me worthy enough to send his son, Jesus Christ, to die the most painful death ever known to man then and still today so that I could be in relationship with him and that I could live a life of freedom and that I could live eternally with him. That's where my confidence comes from. Those other things, they're all a bonus, but my foundation is in Jesus Christ. Christ. So I want you to think to yourself, what is it for you? Which well do you go to when you're not in a good place? Do you go to performance? Do you go to relationships? Or do you go to appearance? Because the first step is admitting where you go so you can identify it. And then hopefully my prayer is you could call yourself back to say, whoa, why am I putting so much weight on this? rather than on Jesus Christ. So Father, I am so grateful for the truth that comes from your word. I'm so grateful for the way that, God, you desire to be our everything. And yet you've given us these beautiful bonuses of, of being able to perform and use our gifts and be in relationships and, and to care for our bodies. But God, you desire that first and foremost, we would be in relationship with you and that we would take your performance on the cross as what gives us value and worth. So God, it is my bold and passionate prayer this morning that both student and administrator and grandparent could do whatever they need to do through your power and your discipline to make the foundation of identity you today. And then let everything else just be a beautiful bonus. And we promise in advance, God, to give you the credit and the glory that you deserve. And we pray all of this because of what we just celebrated last week, the power of the name of your son, Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. You're dismissed. Have a great rest of your day.